Acts 27, verse 10. And this is about Paul. He has been put in prison because of his faith. He's on his way to Rome, and uh, he's going to be tried there because of his faith. And it says this in uh, 27, verse 10. He's on this boat. He's a prisoner on this ship. There's a couple hundred people there. It says, saying to the men, I perceive, they're on the boat. He says to the captain, he said, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. He didn't say it's going to start. He said it's going to end up in big trouble and with much loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurions were more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than they were the things spoken by God or by Paul when he conveyed this. How many times has reason come into people's lives and they start knowing, I need to do this, but there's the helmsman, there's the captain, the people that seem to know better, the people we look to, and they say, no, 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 no. But we know. You know, that's one thing about being a child of God. The Bible said there is no child of God, once you give your life to the Lord, that is without being corrected. That doesn't mean he's disciplining. He's trying to correct your path, help you to go down the right path of life. And here they are, and he said, I perceive. He didn't say God spoke to me in an audible voice. He knew. He said, this journey is going to be with trouble. And I'm not talking about a fear in your head. He knew this deep down inside. So he conveys this to the helmsman. And it said, they were more persuaded, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than the thing spoken by Paul. But what was Paul telling? He was telling about something to come. And I know this, God can do, tell you about bad things to come. God can tell you about good things to come. And he can just tell you about things to come. And he can help you in every area of life. And sometimes when we say tell you, you can just know. I mean, I've known in my own life, and I've talked to other people in their life, they knew, you know, start paying off debt, start doing this. And they realized when the time came, wow, I needed this. I'm glad I did this. I was ready now to do this. You with me? Sometimes we don't get to experience certain things because we haven't followed certain promptings and we're not ready when the day comes. And so here he's prompted. He has this perception. He tells these people they're not listening. And it says, notice this verse 12, and because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised. It just didn't make sense. It wasn't the best. So now all these voices are coming. You ever had a lot of voices come to your mind? Only one person shaking their head. The rest are like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, we do. We get thoughts sometimes, right? And sometimes they can come big time. And it said, said that the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix. They were coming here. No, no, it was somewhere over there. A harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. So they're like, this would be the better way. This would be the ideal thing. 
Sometimes what's ideal to our head is not ideal to our spiritual life with God. And he'll deal with you, and he'll let you know. And so right here in verse 13, it said, when the south wind blew softly. You know, he they said, there's going to be a storm, we're going to lose our life. And then they're all arguing, no, no, keep going, keep going. And, and we just go, we'll make it. And then they looked out and went, it's so soft, so nice. We could do this. It said, so when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire. Supposing. They supposed, we can go down this, nothing's happening. It's okay to keep going this way. And so notice this. Putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. Verse 13, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Arachlodon. Well, that's a nice name. That doesn't even sound good right now. Verse 15, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. I mean, now the ship is out of control. And running under the shelter of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And it said, when they had taken it on board... So instead of dragging it, it's getting so bad, they pull this little skiff on board. They use cables to undergird the ship. They're called helps. I mean, this boat, they ran these cables all the way underneath because the ship is ready to break apart, and they're tying it like in a circle to hold this thing together. And it says, fearing lest they should run aground on the Sardis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. So instead of just now drifting and out of control, they just let the sails now just rip them away because they're afraid we're going to crash. And because there was exceedingly tempest, they were tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. I mean, they're weighted down in these waves. They're throwing stuff overboard now. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our hands. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us. In other words, it was big all the time. All hope that we should be saved now was finally lost. Now they've come to the place where all expectation, natural and spiritual or anything, is totally gone. I mean, you've got to admit, it's probably playing in their heads. We should have listened back then when we set sail. We are in for trouble. How many people get themselves into trouble? I'm so glad that this story did not end here. You can avoid a lot. It would be nice if all our lives were written from the verses before and we obeyed and didn't set sail and that was it and we heard on the news about a storm and went, ha oh, we didn't go that way. <laughs> Remember? Remember? But how many of us have set sail? This is where the miracle starts, right here. The new one. How many can say a new one? Some people need a new one because they know, I got myself in a place I shouldn't have gotten myself. But notice this. All hope is now gone. There's nothing to encourage them. I like this. There was a man who knew God on the boat. His name is Paul. Verse 21. But after long abstinence from food... Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, 
This is never good. And I will advise you, like, if you tell people, hey, you shouldn't buy that, or you should do this, and then it goes south, don't tell them, you guys should have listened to me. You've got to be careful about that. That's wise. But Paul didn't. He didn't matter. The whole ship was going to be done. He said, but after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. You know, I'll tell you what. I've wanted to say that a number of times. I'm sure the Lord's wanted to say that to me a few times too. You should have listened to me. He said, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. They already know, according to what he knows from God, it's, they're going to die. And he said, now I urge you to take courage. Well, he hasn't said anything yet. All he said is, listen up. I want you guys to be encouraged now. Well, last time he said something, he said, don't do this or this is going to happen. He hasn't told him anything. And he said, good news. You guys need to cheer up. <laughs> Has the storm changed? Have the cables been let loose? They get their stuff back they threw overboard that they lost in the process of disobedience? Nope. He said, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted, notice this phrase, so he was praying. You ever pray? You ever ask for something? Notice it said, God granted. In other words, God granted the petition. The Bible said, if you ask, he'll grant our petitions. And he said, you have not because you ask not. Paul was asking, God granted the petition to him and said, hey, they're all yours, Paul, everybody who sails with you. Notice this, he's granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, oh great, here we go. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, as they were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, I mean, you would have thought if you got a word from God, everything, the sailing would just calm right on down. Fourteen days. And you could imagine, they get this word, and the storm's on. You would have thought, well, God gave me a word, there'll be just no more problems, there will be nothing to face. When it had come, as were, they were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings, I guess that would be more like our sonar, and uh, found to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again uh, and found that it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest they should run aground on the rocks, they dropped their anchors, 
from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they had uh, let down the skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting it out anchors uh, from the prow. In other words, these couple of sailors are thinking, this is not good news. We'll just drop this little boat in here. We'll sneak off to land. But remember where the word is. You got to stay put where you are. If you're in this ship, you're okay. You get in another ship, you get out, you're done. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless you men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Because that was the word he got. And now it's time to obey. Then the sailors cut away the ropes of the skiff. That should sink in. Sometimes people have a way of escape. I'm just going to go do this. And you just need to cut it away and don't let it float around so you have another opportunity later. You with me? Well, just in case this doesn't work out, and keep this old girlfriend around or an old boyfriend around, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm just going to keep this here just in case God doesn't come through with the other one, you'll find you might jump into that other ship. And you ain't going to be saved in the other ship when you know it ain't the right ship to sail with. Well, let's just keep reading because that's ridiculous. Who would ever do such a thing if they knew from God? Then the soldiers cut away the ropes and the skiff and let it fall off. But that can be anything in life. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head or the head of any of you. Verse 35, notice this, And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks. He prayed in public. Well, I just don't want to pray in front of anybody because what will people think if I pray in the restaurant? He's in a ship with a bunch of people, and he's like, I don't even care. I'm going to make a stand. I know God. I know who he is. And he prayed in the presence of them all. And when he had broken bread and, and began to eat, so they're all watching him pray for his food. They're watching him eat his food. And they've gone without food for a long time. It said, then they were all encouraged. I mean, think about that. You ever watch somebody eat and get encouraged? <laughs> That's not how I am. I'm like, well, I'm so encouraged by the way you eat that burger. No, no, what they were saying was, look, he's not even troubled. He's not even bothered. I'll tell you what, faith actions encourage others. It's a fact. Faith actions encourage others. When somebody will stand strong, people will be watching. And it can give them courage too. He didn't tell them, now watch me eat and watch this and pay attention to how I'm praying. You see, oh, Lord, you hear me now? And he looks out his right eye to make sure, oh, they're all looking. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And they're like, whoa, he's so religiously spiritual. He probably prayed like he always prayed and ate like he always ate. But he was acting in faith. 
He believed he was not going to die. He wasn't discouraged anymore. I'll tell you what, if you get discouraged in life, that should not be the day you miss a meal. Because then you're acting on the discouragement. You should pray over the food, say, I'm eating today. Glory to God, this isn't the end of my life. But people act discouraged when God is not that way, and he's for you, and he'll help you. Thank you for those amens. But like I've said before, please hold them to the end because if we just keep having to stop for all these amens, we won't get done. Then they were all encouraged and they took food themselves. How many people started acting in line with what was true just because he did? And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. And so when they were eaten... They did these things, and I'm not going to read the rest, but they ended up setting anchor. The ship started getting tore apart, uh, but everybody was able to get to land. Everybody lived through the thing. Now I want to read just a couple of notes here about what it is that anybody can do to get the same kind of miracle that Paul got. Because these miracles are not hard to be gotten. One, you could just follow his promptings and not end up in a bad place. The first thing that anybody needs, even if you don't have hope, is you need direction from God. In verse 23 and 24, he said, an angel stood by me. That had happened before. And he started declaring to them, hey, listen, we're going to be okay. God's angel stood by me, and this is where we're at. And so the first thing we need is a promise. Now, you may not ever have an angel appear to you. You may not ever have Jesus appear to you, but you do have his book that you can set before you at any time and find promises that God has said are facts for every believer. And you don't have to be nervous about it. You don't have to be afraid about it. You can know, just like him, you can find an answer here. Because there are times Jesus, when he was facing stuff, he did get direction sometimes from God, but there were other times he quoted what he got out of the book. You with me? He quoted what he got out of the book. Do you know in Paul's life he had direction to go preach? But there were times he quoted things concerning how he would preach, to whom he would preach, he got that direction out of the book. He said, those who have not seen, I will declare. He was quoting the word, and he was acting on it. And so the first thing you need to do is find a promise for your situation. You know, no matter what it is, you need to find a solution, something God says is a fact that covers your case. I will say this as a side note too. Make sure your motives stay good when you get into hard times. Sometimes bad motives can mess you up. You know, because when you're in a hard time, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to be pushing at you, blowing at you, thoughts are going to be coming to your head. You know, the Bible tells us this, we need to get rid of envy, we need to get rid of strife, we need to get rid of unforgiveness, we need to get rid of bitterness, because if you're going to walk out miracles, you're going to need to see clear, because there's already going to be enough voices speaking to you. You with me? They will. Discouragement will try to come, and you're going to need to see clear. But do you know, James 3.16 said, where envy and strife is. So if I keep envy and I keep strife and I keep not walking in love, he said there is confusion, not clarity, and every evil work. 
So all, the only one who can deal with that is me. And if I'm in the middle of a storm, I'm going to want to see everything. Hey, if you're driving down the street and it's raining real hard and your windshield wipers don't work, makes it harder to navigate, doesn't it? You need those windshield wipers. Why? Because it makes things clear. When things are not clear, there's confusion. Where is the road? Where is the path? Where do I go? That's why when the Lord tells us to love, to get rid of envy, to get rid of strife, to forgive people, what does it do? It gets rid of confusion. It gets rid of evil work that would try to blur and blind things. Somebody said, yeah, but they did me wrong. Who cares? I want to clear myself up. Yeah, but they've done me wrong a bunch of times. Well, I'm not going to be bitter about it. I may not let them back into my life in certain areas, but I am not going to be bitter because what it does to me, it allows for confusion. It allows for evil works. And I'm trying to navigate life as it is. And there's already stuff happening. So we need to recognize, man, I need to keep my own heart clear. You do. And you can, and I do, and I can. In other words, it's cap we're capable of it. So the first thing, we need a promise from God. The second thing in verse 25, when he was telling the promise from God, he believed the promise. Now let me make this statement. It's obvious, but it needs to be said. He believed it when it didn't look like it. He believed it when it didn't appear to be so. Sometimes people think believing is seen. Believing is what you do before you see. And sometimes we can believe something and just be convinced about it and thoughts can be going, well, that's not working, that's not happening, that's not yours. But spiritually, it has been granted. And you need to believe at times without seeing. In other words, Jesus cursed a fig tree and went into the city and then went into the synagogue, then came back out at night, and he had his disciples with him. Then they went out, Then they, because it was evening, he didn't tear into the people that were doing stuff wrong in the synagogue. He waited till the next day. He waited for, so he could have some time to do it, right? It's the truth. So he comes back in, and one of his disciples said, hey, look, the fig tree which you curse is dried up from the roots. But one of the gospel writers said it died immediately. But they, none of them said they saw it on the way out and mentioned it. It wasn't until they went back. Well, which is true. It dried up from the roots and they saw it in Mark or in the other gospel that it died. They're both true. You ever cut a rose off, put it in a thing? That thing's dead right then. It's just a matter of it's working its way out. That thing died at the roots. Right when he spoke, it died. Boom. But he believed it. They didn't see it on the way out, and he changed. But on the way back, they saw the results of what happened before. And many times people need to believe something now and know the results will come. Know that it was granted right when you asked. Remember Daniel in the Old Testament? Daniel had an experience like this. In, in Daniel... If you go look at his story in the ninth chapter, most people don't familiarize themselves with certain parts of the story of Daniel. But Daniel prayed in the ninth chapter around the 20th verse, 23rd, there's a little thing where he's praying. And he bows and he prays. And it's like you snap your fingers and an angel came. And said, so now I'm going to give you understanding. 
I'm going to do this for you. I've been sent the minute you prayed. See, that's what most people think miracles should look like right there. The minute you pray, it appears. And if it doesn't, quit believing and start asking again. Come on, God. That really is acting like he didn't hear and didn't, didn't say, didn't mean what he said. We're waiting to see. So we say, yeah, but he prayed and it happened instantly. And it appeared instantly. Yeah, but then you go over to the 10th chapter and you find Daniel praying again. And this angel comes and appears to him again. But this time, it was 21 days after he prayed. But do you know the angel said the same things at the beginning? He said, I was sent to you the moment you prayed. God sent me, his angel, to you to give you this. He said, the moment you prayed. Well, that's what happened before. He said, the moment you prayed, and then all of a sudden, boom, he appeared. But what happened between when he prayed in the ninth chapter and he prayed in the 10th chapter? Well, here's what we need to understand. God grants you stuff when you pray. But sometimes you don't always see it immediately. That's when you got to believe and not doubt. Because you think about it, it's 21 days. What if Daniel would have gone at the 20th day? Well, this prayer stuff and talking to God doesn't even work. I asked him 21 days ago. Problem is, Daniel would have been only just looking at the natural. But he didn't do that. And all of a sudden, the 21st day, this angel appears and he said, the moment you prayed, God sent me. If Daniel would have jumped in, he would have said, okay, where were you the last 21 days then? You know, I was kind of needing this. You know, I was needing a little help here. But the angel tells us something that's real interesting. He said, I came, but the prince or this evil spirit over Persia, you know where that is, Middle East part. He said, the prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days, and Michael, the archangel, came and prevailed against him so I could come and grant you your petition and give you. But God heard and immediately. But there was something in the unseen that was hindering. And so we need to recognize this. I may pray today for something and may not see it today, this minute. But when I believe, believing is, in, is what I do when I don't see. And I got to stand fast. I can't just get into unbelief and start thinking, well, God's not hearing. God's not working. It's not happening. You with me? God has good stuff for people, and he grants stuff right away. I remember this lady called me who used to work with me uh, when I was a youth pastor in California, and she called and said, the Lord dealt with me to, to talk to you. They just diagnosed me with breast cancer. And she said, um, she said um, will you pray for me that I get a good report? And I said, oh, sorry, I can't do that. And the phone got about this quiet. She said, well, I believe the Lord dealt with me to have you call. I said, well, I can't pray that way for you. <clears throat> I said, one, the Bible doesn't tell us to pray that way. I said, two, if I did pray that way, you could get a good report. It'd be real easy. All the doctor has to do is uh, pick up the wrong file, uh, the x-ray of the other lady, and go, oh, look at this. You got no more cancer, <laughs> and you got a good report.
So the Bible didn't tell us to pray that way, but I said, I could pray for you and God will heal you and he'll do that. So she said, okay, well, let's do that. Because she realized a good report is not, who cares? What if they mix the files up after we prayed and they gave her some other lady's file that said, oh, you still got it. But is that true? No. Anyway, so we prayed and she had to wait to go to the doctor. You know, they didn't just go, oh, you prayed? Well, let's just come on in here. That'd be, that'd be nice. Just you prayed. Okay, you just come on in. If we would have known you prayed, we would have just had you come right on in, you know. That's because we're all about this spiritual stuff, you know. I'd laugh at you and say, stand in line with everybody else. She had to deal with stuff, thoughts, different things. Eventually, she gets in, goes and sees. They come back. They said, it is all gone. I don't know what happened. Well, she didn't. She's probably not the type to go. Let me tell you. But it was gone. Completely gone. But, you know, there can be a battle sometimes because, you know, and people don't always believe God hears them. That's why they keep saying, keep praying for me. Keep praying for me. Why don't you just trust what God said? If he said it, it's a fact. And if we get bold like that, that's what Paul did the whole time. He didn't say, let's keep praying. Everybody keep praying. He said, sirs. It's going to turn out just like I believe. Now, we should keep praying through life, but there's things that when we pray and we ask God and know He's heard us, just because our loved one, we don't see Him change immediately, we shouldn't start freaking out going, it ain't working, it ain't working. It's working in the unseen. We should just thank God. I've already prayed about that. That means you're working. That's believing. When you see the answer, that's not believing. That's called seeing. But remember, we're called believers, right? We will see, but we're called believers. And Jesus said to somebody, when they were all upset about the circumstances and how things were not working out, he said, did I not say, if you would believe, then you would see the glory of God? He basically said, calm down, get back to believing, trust before you see, and you'll have it. Amen? And we can all do it. Because you want to know something? I'm going to say this as we close. We are trained to believe in stuff we don't see. But the problem is the things we're trained in believing, as a big part, is super negative. We believe in stuff we do not see all the time. That you do not see, that is not apparent to you. And we believe it and act like it. Used to be... When I was a kid, you could play in the sandbox at the school and be digging in there and have Hot Wheels or whatever, and then you find like a treasure from a cat. And you're like, look at this thing. What is this? And I'll put that down. I'm like, okay. And then you go back, and then the bell rings, and it's time for lunch. And you go run, and you got to get to the front, and you don't even think about washing your hands. It's like, gross, did you wash your hands before you prayed for that person? I'll tell them later. And, um, you know, people are like, oh. And then you go eat that sandwich and, you know, you rub your face and your hands and you just were touching something and you live to tell about it. Now today, if you touch the doorknob back there, the world has trained us 
to believe that germs are super powerful and they can jump off that handle. Grab your hand, run up your arm, get up in your nose, and make you start sneezing. It's pretty much how it works. Pretty much. So you go, you go to the hospital to visit somebody and you push the elevator button with your elbow. Uh, ding. Or you tell somebody, oh, no, I was holding the door for you, but you're waving in the light. Don't want to touch the door. Don't want none of those germs. It's because people believe in germs more than they believe in Jesus. They believe in that stuff, and they've been trained that way. Why don't we retrain ourselves to believe in other things we don't see, that they are more powerful than those things?